After Dark is a member of the Mice Chat Podcast Network. MicePod.com. Let's put on the show. Growing older is mandatory. Growing up is optional. This after dark, the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Calm down, calm down. Uh, yeah, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mouse's Head for episode nine of series two, which makes it sound a lot more important than we are. I'm Paul. I, I'm Nick. And I'm Paul. And uh, joining us in the bar of the Mouse's Head today, Eric Davis. Hello, Eric. Howdy, everyone. <laughs> uh, would you like I to enough howdies here, I tell you. <laughs> hey, howdy ho. I don't know, or some kind of, I don't know, whatever. Ah, dear, oh dear. Welcome back to the Mousy's Head, guys. How are you doing? All good, thank you. Yep. Excellent. Uh, right, um, yeah, that's us. Uh, Eric, where do we yes. recognise your name from? Um, well, I am a writer on Mice Chat. I write the Orlando Park Hopper column. Um, so I have a weekly column about Universal. I write about SeaWorld. And I'm sometimes on the unofficial Universal uh, Orlando podcast, and I host the unofficial SeaWorld podcast. And, and yeah, this isn't an unofficial Disney podcast. It doesn't make it an official Disney podcast. It just makes it an, an unofficial one. Uh, yes. How do people get in contact with the show if they want to find out about us, guys? Ah, well, they could visit our website at www.disafterdark.com or they could email us at podcast at disafterdark.com. Or they could find us on Twitter at disafterdark or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash disafterdark. And we're also on macechat.com. We are, and we occasionally pop up in the forums there. And Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, you name it, we're there. And that said, gentlemen, would you like a beer? Yes. Yes. Thought you'd never <laughs> ask. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing it up a bit. New year and all that. Yes, fantastic. What are you drinking, sirs? I've got a bottle of Maple Moon. And the only connection I could come up with there is Maple... Canada, Epcot, cheers. <laughs> nice, fine, yeah, that'll do. Well, it's probably the my uh, my tenuous link because um, my local uh, Asda, the uh, the UK Walmart, uh, has been selling Bud Light of Lime, which I think I mentioned before several uh, times, and they're discontinuing it, so they're not going to sponsor the show. Um, and I bought two crates because they were on offer at four pounds for twelve bottles. Um, when I took delivery of them, I know why. It's because they expired by the end of January. So uh, I'm going to be drinking 24 beers before the end of this month. And uh, I'm two down already today. And this right now is, there you go, the third. Cheers. Lucky man, lucky man. Um, well, I've 
the closest tenuous link I've gone to mine is given that we are three adults who talk Ooh. about Disney uh, and what most people that don't talk about Disney think of us. Um, I've gone for Thixton's Old Peculiar. It's the closest. I could, Good yeah. link. Good segue. <laughs> oh. Eric. You know, if it, you know if it goes out of date, your, your beer, Nick? <laughs> yes. Does that does that tend to ferment then? Does the alcohol content go up when it goes out of date? Oh. Well, I, I could find out for you. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free. Hmm. Experiment. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Call it scientific. Eric, what would you like, sir? Um, a blue moon with an orange and um, because the blue moon is maybe on the dark side of the moon, which is like Transformers. Okay. Oh, there yep. we go. Hey. <laughs> it's, it's as close as we need to get. That's, that's our first alcohol related universal connection. No, no, no. I, I, no I've, I've had no. a kind of, I've had a bottle of mythos Have before now. Oh yeah, the Greek yeah, yeah. mythos. Yeah. Ooh, that is a good one too. Uh, that, that that was quite a find, and yeah. Um, so okay, fantastic. Uh, right, that's that bit. What do I do now? Oh, I press the news button, don't I? Uh, I'll drop that. Right, I press this one because I'm ready completely. A view of the news with this after dark. By the way, I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before, but we do record this live. <laughs> can you hear? Yeah. The, can you, you can hear the audience in the background. It's more, more just I just want people to realise that when we like make mistakes, we're just doing them and we don't care. Because yeah. <laughs> it saves on the editing later. Yeah. Um, right. Yes. Who's got some news for us? What's been happening in the world of Disney and or Universal? Seven foot blue sloths spotted in Animal Kingdom. Bong. Yeah. With shovels. Bong. Yeah. <laughs> Digging that city. Oh, yes, they have. They've broken ground. They have, yeah. Yeah, not not that we've done the Avatar thing to death, but it's worth mentioning that they've at least started digging it now, so it's even more real reality than Look, it's, it's just embarrassing, isn't it? I spent, all, like, you know, the, the whole of the first series of this show, or first season of this show, going, it ain't going to happen. It will Star never happen. Star Wars Land's going ha- to come in there instead, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. It will never happen. It will never happen. Foot tall Smurf appears and some people with shovels. By the way, I saw the picture. I couldn't work out from the picture. Was it actually... A statue, or somebody dressed up, or a cardboard cutout. I think it was a computer um, inserted Navi, wasn't it? Well, that, that that was the thing. It didn't look like it was a real person. That's why I had to ask. Yeah. Well, the statue thing sounds a little bit far fetched. So yeah, I think you're probably right. Probably uh, unless Disney are hiring well, ex NBA players <laughs> and and have got Yao Ming or whatever his name is to paint himself blue and. Ponce around in Animal Kingdom. <laughs> I've heard of Stranger Things. <laughs> Can't think of them, but I have. Yeah. Uh, Shall I translate the word ponce about for Americans, or do they understand <laughs> it? I, I have no idea what that word is. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, let's um, wander around doing nothing. That's probably the, uh, the, the the most politically correct way of describing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if the if the Smurf was computer generated then really the only thing that exists are six big blue shovels if you've seen the photograph mm. and a hole in the animal kingdom so Nick it still might be 
camouflage. It still may be a smoke screen. You, yeah, yeah. You, you may you, be right. You, you it's heard a it blue on this harp situation or something. Okay. Yeah. You, you heard it on this podcast first. It's still not happening. It's all computer generated, <laughs> including the big hole. There we go. <laughs> our options are available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I've got a bit of news. Um, well, I've got, I've got two. So get the, one's quite short and sweet, so we'll get it out of the way. Yeah. Uh, and that is that um, Disney Infinity in the UK has just sold three million copies of the uh, the starter pack, which is the uh, the big box set with uh, Mr. Incredible, Jack Sparrow, and because uh, they Scully then, I mean Sully, X Factor, X Factor, X Files. My God, this beer going to my head. I should have. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a starter pack, which is about about fifty pounds retail, which is about eighty dollars US, um, and they're three million copies in the UK sold, which is uh, quite remarkable, really, for this little island. But um, the game's doing well, and I've still only played about five minutes of it, so it was a good five minutes, mind you, but just uh, no time. But uh, the big thing, uh, following on from my last show, is um, Bob Iger has announced that he wants a Frozen Broadway musical. Mm. Now we only we only talked about it last week, and uh, yeah. he heard our show. He's, yeah. So I, I think we should take a claim for that. Mm. Yes. Yep. Mm, musical. Nice. Eric, is um, somebody on the, on the dark side? Have you um, seen Frozen? I have seen Frozen. And uh, your opinion? Okay, so let me first say that I am friends with a lot of Disney people, obviously. Um, and I used to be one of those Disney people. I, I really did. I used to be one of those people who just was exuberant about everything. And so all of my friends, all of my family, everyone went and saw Frozen. Everyone's like, Frozen's incredible. Frozen's everything. And I fell asleep in it. And I felt really guilty. Went to see it a second time and fell asleep again. <laughs> so I okay. feel like I feel really weird because I want to like it because everyone I know really likes it. And I'm having a hard time because I, I, I ha, I've tried twice to get through it and I, I've yet to make it. So part of me is feeling like a, a curmudgeonly old man, too, you know? Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You'll fit in perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I'll show you where the, uh, the cloak room is in a minute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I wax lyrical about how much I liked it. And uh, Mr. Dolan, you felt the same way. Mr. Yeah, Bond I really enjoyed it. I haven't even been seeing it. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, the thing is, you know, it, it, although I think it is a good film, I, I, I don't subscribe to this notion that just because everyone likes it, it means that you have to, Disney fans or not. You know, I like John Carson. A lot of people don't like that. I like Tron and Tron Legacy. A lot of people don't like that. I've not seen The Lone Ranger yet, and I'm still prepared to watch it, even though people have said it's rubbish. And I might enjoy it, I might not. But, you know, I don't think you have to feel bad. For, uh, for that fact, really. No. Yeah. no. There's just some things like with the music, for instance, where I felt like Let It Go was such an amazing, powerful song, and it ends with a quip. And I don't understand why. Like, because it ends with her being like, well, I don't mind the cold anyways. And it's like, well, I felt like it completely diminished the, 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 the emotional power of that song. And so there's stuff like that that I actually kind of like, I was like, eh, uh, you know, but that's me being jaded and whatever. Perfectly legitimate. Yeah, it's nice to have an alternative view. Yeah, but, but again, like, it's beautifully yeah. animated. You yeah. know, it, it's, I love Adina Menzel, the singer. You know, I, I think, like, that's great, but I just wish I could, I, I wish I wouldn't have fallen asleep twice, you know? So, 
Well, you know what? Because you said that about Frozen, I'm going to sit here and slag off this pickle me too. Oh, right. now the gloves are coming off. <laughs> but actually, actually, in all honesty, I watched this pickle me too the other day, and as sequels go for cartoons, I actually thought it was very, very good. Yeah, definitely. Very, very good indeed. Solid film, you know. Yeah. I, I wish I liked Frozen. I really, did. I really do wish. I sincerely wish I did. So. <laughs> Oh, maybe one day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I won't get used to it. I'll, I'll, I'll see it. I'll, I'll find it somewhere eventually online. It's, it's around. Um, I mean, so I discovered last night at the age of 30 that I like to drink uh, red wine. You discovered that at the age of 30? Last night, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't like wine. And we, we had this really nice bottle brought for us and we was using it as uh, for cooking. And we had like a little bit left that we couldn't put into ice cubes because that's what we do if we can't use it all, put it into ice cubes. And uh, my wife said, oh, should, we just, should we just try it, see if we like it? And she tried it first. I was like, no, still don't like wine. And I drank it. I was like, actually, this is really nice. <laughs> I, I, I drank what was left and I, I felt really old all of a sudden. I love it. So, so, maybe, so maybe that will happen with you, Eric, one day in Frozen. Maybe one day you'll be able to sit down and watch it and you might enjoy it. You never know. <laughs> I, I hope so. I'll be <laughs> clapping with tears streaming down my face. Like, yes, this is what I was missing. I, I, I hope so. <laughs> you better be careful, Nick. You're going to end up a grown-up adult if you, uh, if you don't <laughs> watch out. Yeah, I know. It's disgraceful. disgraceful. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see Mr. Boniface investing in new sound balls. Good man. I... I've got to interrupt that to some more news, possibly. Um, yeah, Hollywood Studios is now gone as of this week. So uh, by the time anyone's actually listening to this podcast, assuming they do, uh, switch from the old-fashioned paper fast pass to fast pass plus. Mm. I wonder what you were saying. I think you was like Hollywood Studios is gone. It's gone, like, it's yes. gone completely. <laughs> it has it disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> On a trip up from Vegas, David Copperfield made it disappear. Oh, that's swine. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're moving, switching from the old fashioned Fast Pass to that this funky fast, new Fast Pass Plus Plus. Yeah. I just it's wonder cool. where they're going to go in a couple of years. Is it going to be Turbo Fast Pass or Fast Pass Plus Plus for the computer engineers out there? Or something equally? Where'd you go? Fast Pass Electric Bigelow. Yeah. yeah. Fast Pass Die Harder. Fast pass nitro. It's, it's yeah. going to go like iPad, isn't it? The iPad, iPad two, iPad three. Fast pass air. iPad, just just iPad. Just okay, just fast pass again. Go back. That will do. Um, <laughs> well, I haven't seen David Copperfield once made twelve people disappear in front of my eyes. Did he? Yeah, I was on stage with him. Okay. That would explain why. Sorry, if that now makes more sense. Anyway, the beer's tall, can tell you. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Whatever. What was the next bit of news other than David Copperfield making 12 people disappear? Oscars? Yeah. Yep. Did anyone see the uh, the Oscar nominations this week? Mm. By I see them, I don't mean did you Just see the press conference, because no one does that anymore. No, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to answer, yes, of course I did to that, but considering that we'll go, well, all right, let's not bother with the news then, I'm going to go, no, I didn't. Fair enough. Mr. Tell, us, tell us about them. Uh, I heard some of it, not all of it. Fair but enough. Just picked up a little bit on the radio. Okay, fair enough. Well, um, Disney got nominated for seven uh, Academy Awards. 
so uh, animated feature for Frozen, mm-hmm. uh, which I think we got. Um, nothing from Monsters University. No. Which, uh, I mean, to, to be fair, having seen Frozen, having seen The Spickle Me Too, having seen that, you know, The Cruise is supposed to be really good as well. I haven't seen that yet, but, you, you know, I can, I can see why it just wasn't up to speed as far as I was concerned. Is this um, the first Pixar film to not get nominated? Do you know? No, or? because Cars 2 definitely didn't get nominated, and I'm not sure. I think Brave did, actually. Yeah, Brave did, but Cars 2 didn't. Can't I can't imagine. Or at I can't least imagine. Didn't. Yeah, it was planes. I can't imagine planes did. Yeah, no, no one, no one was surprised that planes didn't. Um, I think it might, might have been up for a, a golden raspberry. I'm not sure. I haven't checked <laughs> that yet, um, no, sure uh, original song for uh, Eric's favourite, "Let It Go." Uh, doesn't <laughs> say whether or not the quip is included in that. But, uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, short film for "Get a Horse." Now. That that's a dead cert, surely. Hang on, hang on, that was, sorry. was that for comma get a horse? Or is there a short film called yeah. Forget a Horse? No no, it, the the short is called Get a Horse. See if you'd seen Frozen you'd know about this. Yeah, I don't see. Yeah. Uh yeah, no short film animated Forget a Horse, which is the uh, short film that uh, preceded Frozen, which uh, I like to not talk very much about because it spoils it, but it's a very good little short. Um, visual effects for Iron Man 3 and the Lone Ranger. Uh, makeup and hairstyling for the Lone Ranger. Which, uh, seriously, they nominated someone for sticking a dead crow on Jimmy, uh, Johnny Depp's head. Okay. <laughs> um, and original score for Saving Mr. Banks. Mm-hmm. Now, the big surprise for a lot of people is the fact that um, there was no mention there of... Uh, Best Actor or Best Actress nominations for either uh, Tom Hanks or Emma Thompson for um, Save Mr. Banks. Yeah. And by original score, do they actually mean the score in the back of background of the music of the film? Yes. Or do they actually mean the songs that the Sherman Brothers were writing? Because then it's not particularly... <laughs> no, it's it's credited to Thomas Newman, so that will be the no, original right, yeah. music. That'll be the background bed. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was surprised that Tom Hanks wasn't nominated. I didn't think he'd get it for that film, to be fair. I thought he'd get it for Captain Phillips, which is yeah. a Disney film, so we'll stop talking about it. But it was the fact that, you know, everyone was talking before it came out as this being, you know, the film uh, to beat this year. You know, Oscars were going to be a certainty for it, for direction, for acting. Um, and yeah, it's just got the single one for original score, which is uh, which is quite a shame. Yeah, it is. Um, so, what do people make of that? Yes. Well, uh, excellent. Good, good opinion. Well, I thought I, I thought Saving Mr. Banks would have done better, but then there were a few other films that came in, like uh, Twelve Years a Slave and things like that, at, at the end of the year that I think you know knocked it out of the running a little bit I don't think it's done very well either mm. so Mr Banks I think it, it did quite well over here but um, from what I've seen in the charts it didn't actually do that well um, in release in America so I think I think it was a victim of timing mm. I, I think a movie that plays to like that kind of emotional nostalgia has to be timed right and I think they missed that timing you know mm. And especially with them also putting a lot of um, advertising money and marketing money behind Frozen at the exact same time, 
you know, I, I think that it just wasn't given its fair shake. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's a film that you either really love or, or you it doesn't connect with you, you know, but I think I think it's a great film, you know, but I think it's a victim of timing, though. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think you could be right. I'm, I'm, I think the, the problem is as well, especially from marketing that I saw over here, which actually in the UK was pretty non-existent, um, it seemed to be that they weren't really sure who the audience was. Yes. Because they almost marketed towards uh, a kid's market as well as adults, and yet... It's not a, a film I'd want to take kids to see. Yeah. I just think it's, it's a bit boring for what they'd want. If you're interested in Mary Poppins, you'd, you'd watch Mary Poppins. You yeah. don't care about how the film was made. Well, um, and, I think, and I think when it comes to movies like this, that I think it's, it's very clear that they're not sure how to sell it when they give away the emotional turn at the end of the film um, in, in, the, in the trailer mm. um, to try to convince you to see it. And so I think it's one of those films where they should have really played more on the Mary Poppins nostalgia aspect of this is a film you loved as a child now learn how it was made instead of trying to convince us that the emotional journey of the film was reason enough to go and see it. So maybe you're right. Maybe, yeah, maybe if I, if I marketing. Yeah. yeah, if I was in charge of marketing business, that's I, you know, put me in charge. I would have fixed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now there is one other category that we haven't mentioned because Disney haven't got any nominations but would have been of interest, especially to Eric, uh, and that is the, um, the shortlist for documentary feature, which doesn't include Blackfish. Mm. No. Uh, you've almost led directly onto the feature. You yeah. know I like segways, Paul. Uh, you do. <laughs> you do. I, I was going to get him to tell us a little bit about uh, Diagon Alley, first of all. But, oh, I've ruined, but I've ruined it now. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, yeah, leading question. Um... Any news from you? What's been happening over in uh, maybe Universal or something over the last few days? Uh, Universal? (laughs) Well, okay, so um, people know, obviously, I host the unofficial SeaWorld podcast, and I'm very passionate about SeaWorld and um, the parks that they own. And it it has been very painful um, this past year because it was January of last year when um, Blackfish premiered at Sundance. And at the time it premiered, you know, I have I, I, I grew up in, in Idaho um, and I and I worked in Utah for a long time. So I have friends who actually work at Sundance. And when I heard from them about the movie and people had seen the movie, I was very concerned, obviously, but I was kind of hopeful it wouldn't really go anywhere. Um, and then when CNN picked it up um, for the first film as part of its new studio, I wasn't sure where this film was still going to go. And... And so when it was released in August theatrically, um, those people who have followed the Unofficial Serial Podcast for this past year will know that we actually um, did a whole episode of Blackfish. We were the first people to actually come out against Blackfish. Um, and, you know, we did an episode about it, and we kind of just buried it and said, you know, kind of dusted our hands off, you know, good enough, you know, we're, we're kind of done with this. Um you know, and what we really weren't prepared for with this documentary was the fact of how aggressively CNN was going to try to market this film as a piece of journalism. And so it's been interesting watching Blackfish, you know, go on to cable TV, uh, you know, CNN here, BBC, whatever number over there that it ended up on, um, and then watching it kind of also get onto Netflix and really kind of spread a little bit like wildfire because it's a sensational story um, and it's a s- sensational film. And so, you know, one of the things that we've been really watching was, was Blackfish going to be nominated for an Academy Award? And luckily it was not. 
you know, luckily from my point of view, you know, it, it was not. So now that's why when I watched the Academy Awards, I was thrilled, overjoyed, exuberant that, that it was not nominated because now that kind of means that we can begin to put this story to bed finally. Mm, yeah, I mean, there was a recently, you, you did a very nice, very good, well-written, balanced article um, where you've actually been speaking to some people who were supposed to be originally involved with Blackfish. But yes, so I spoke... Been. Yeah, I spoke to two trainers, and, and mind you, like, these were relationships I've been working months on um, building, you know, because anytime you're trying to really get to the truth of, of, of anything, you know, whether it's it's news, like, for, like, breaking, like, some sort of attraction news, you you have to build a lot of relationships, and you have to really, you know, get people to trust you and, and know that it's not in my interest to screw these people over. It's not in my interest to harm them. I just really want to share the reality of the situation. And the thing is, is when you watch Blackfish, it becomes very obvious very quickly that the film is not interested in telling um, a, a balanced story of, of what happened on February 24th in 2010 that, um, that resulted in Don's death. It instead was a, an indictment of SeaWorld. And it, and it basically, it's a movie that leads to the conclusion that the only answer to whatever problem they feel that there is, is the closure of this, of, of, of this theme park. Um, and that's kind of what the, the emotions they leave you feeling at the end of the film. And so it's very emotionally manipulative and it, and it, and it obscures the truth and it misleads the audience and it's very deceptive. And I don't say that lightly and I, I, and I mean that with sincerity, but it was hard to prove that until I had these relationships built with um, you know, enough trust to where they, these people were comfortable having me tell their story and tell it publicly. And so I talked to Bridget Pirtle, who consulted on Blackfish and provided a lot of the stock footage that you see mm -hmm. in the film. And I also talked to Mark Simmons, who was actually the first person interviewed for the film and appears in about a minute and a half of it. He was largely edited out and edited um, to where he sounds like he agrees with the overall premise of the film when he does not. And his overall um, experience, um, testimony, everything else was completely ignored and whitewashed. And so I spoke to them about their experiences with the film, how they felt like they were lied to, misled, how they felt like their their um, personal images were misused, and you know that they really wanted to finally let the world know that you know Blackfish is not reality. So, and it was crazy. <laughs> once those stories, once those stories went up, you know, and and we did that um, in, in also with a 35-page academic paper by. Joe Kleiman from In Park Magazine, who went through the film and, and really um, point by point um, revealed the deception in the film. In Park Magazine, that's yeah, it's a theme park magazine. Um, it's more of an industry magazine. Joe okay. Kleiman is In Park. He actually has a column on mm -hmm. Mice Chat, actually, where he talks normally just about about film and frame rates and and yeah. and cinema techniques at theme parks. Really cool stuff, you know. But but Joe also is, is an advocate for just reality and sanity and so when he saw blackfish you know he's actually a, is a PETA supporter funny enough but he saw blackfish he's like well wait there's a lot of deception going on here and so he explains that in his 35 page academic paper that's actually a, a fascinating read wow um where, and is it possible to get hold of that is, is that yeah. on my chat as well yeah that that 35 page paper if you go to mark simmons um interview which is the one titled back blackfish backlash um that's actually at the very bottom of that article. You can download it. So, you know, it, it's been really fascinating, you know, watching the response to it because people feel very passionate on both sides of this issue, you know, um, 
and, and it's been very interesting, you know, to to be a part of breaking news that kind of has gone around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Have you found you know, that you've been on the receiving end of your own backlash for? Yes. Almost supporting. Very much so. I, um, I've got. I get a lot of hate mail. Um, I get a lot of hate tweets. I get a lot of hate everything. Um, I got some actually really hilarious um, hate voicemails recently, that that were kind of, kind of funny. We actually, I think we're gonna add a segment on the unofficial Universal podcast yeah. where we edit those hate voicemail messages into SeaWorld praise messages, oh. or we might we might call it like um, you know like you know crazy you know we might call it something like like getting blackfished you know where, where we edit them to be like like you want to know what sea world podcast i like sea world it is the best you guys really don't suck you know something like that yeah yeah you do realize if we get anything like that it's gonna happen <laughs> so I figured that might be a fun way to deal with some of the the intense yeah. anger that the people have. I'm, I'm going to auto tune you and put you to some sort of hardcore dance music. Please do, please do. <laughs> so because you know, it's that aspect of it, it, it. There are there are supporters on both sides who will go to whatever ends they are. So make their voice heard so, no yeah. and and, and, I, and like i said i respect people who have a difference of opinion you know but it's it's this fanatical extremist element that's unhealthy for any debate you know i think it's always great to be able to question and discuss you know animals that we have in our that are in our care you know at zoos aquariums any any facility you know animal kingdom bush gardens anywhere you know, if we have animals in our care and in our charge, I think it's always a great question to be like, you know, like, is their care the best? Can it be better? You know, what can we do to improve the quality of lives of animals that are in our charge? And I think that's a great discussion to have. And I think that's an appropriate discussion to have. But this basically this burn it to the ground kind of discussion and, and you know, like it's one way or another, you know, I, I think is unhealthy. And I don't think anything productive happens from from dialogue like that. Mm -hmm. so, so how long have you been going to see you I've been going to SeaWorld since I was eight years old, um, which was 1989. It was my first visit to SeaWorld uh, San Diego. And, you know, I remember, like, sitting in the front row at Shamu Stadium, you know, and, um, you know, getting splashed by, you know, um, Shamu. You know, you call every whale Shamu at that age. Yeah. You know, later find out, you know, it was actually Corky, you know, who splashed me. I, I, I what? Well, okay. Shamu is a stage name. And there, and so there is no Shamu whale anymore because Shamu was one of the names of the, one of the very first killer whales, and so since then Shamu has just been a stage name that's assigned to different killer whales. I, I, I've known dancers like that. So like Tilikum, for instance, is technically the quote-unquote Shamu at Orlando right now. Hmm. We need um, to put a, a warning at the, at the start of the show because <laughs> spoiler alert: why, why a small child inside of me? Uh, he's, just, he's just in tears right now. I'm Some, sorry. Next time you're trying to convince me like Father Christmas is the real or something. It is, it is kind of like seeing Santa Claus without his beard. You know, we're like, oh, like. But if you're gonna be a grown-up adult. These are the kind of things you gotta find <laughs> out. I'm sorry. Someone is asking for it. I should have put. A, I should have put. Am I paying for this personal abuse or is it extra? It's extra. <laughs> um, you know, and so. You know, but but for me, like SeaWorld has inspired a life where 
you know, I, I've been participants in beach cleanups, animal rescues, um, wetland restoration. You know, I donate to a lot of different causes, you know, and so I do a lot of volunteering in that fact, but it all comes down to the fact that I was inspired by my visit to SeaWorld as, as a eight-year-old child, you know, that, that, that these animals need our help and, and are deserving of our empathy and, and our sympathy, you know? And so for me, I feel like it's been very real, you know, the, the action that has, that was inspired by, by SeaWorld. So, and that's why I want to help communicate with the SeaWorld podcast. Yeah. Could, could you give our listeners, rather than, you know, obviously we'll, we'll entice people over to your podcast as, as well. That's kind of why you're here. Um, but could you like give our listeners one of uh, one one of the giveaways and the, the, one of the problems that you found with blackfish that have kind of been poo-pooed, so to speak? Who? Um, so going to like, like the blatant factual inaccuracies. The film actually starts with one um, when there is a call. You hear two nine one one calls at the beginning of the film. One is the initial call from a SeaWorld employee asking for emergency response. And the second one is by a firefighter who was calling for Orlando Sheriff's Department to come down and actually take a statement. And he says a whale ate one of the trainers. That's not true. You know, Tilikum did not eat Don. Mm-hmm. That was used for sensationalism because they don't correct that statement in the film. They let that information stand without any sort of annotation or correction. And so it's stuff like that throughout the entire film, you know, because later on they mentioned Tilikum swallowing Don's arm, which did not happen. Um, you know, and there's tons of times they let information like that stand without correcting it. Fair that, so, yeah, that, um, that, that's that's the teaser. That's, you know, and so I would read the articles. I'd read Mark Simmons. Mark Simmons interview. I will recommend the most because Mark Simmons went to Canada. Mark Simmons brought Telecom to Orlando. Mark Simmons worked with Telecom from '91 to '96. His wife, who's also a killer whale trainer, worked with Telecom from '91 to 2005. And so, between him and his wife, no one knows this whale better than those two. Yeah. And he trained Don to, you know, he, his wife and Don were best friends. And so to him, this is an incredibly personal, incredibly intimate story that he feels has been um, been sensationalized and, and used for profit. And so I, I highly recommend reading his story. Like, I interviewed him for three hours, three and a half hours, almost four hours in a Starbucks here in Orlando. And he, he was telling me stories, and I was, like, crying in the Starbucks as he's telling me the stuff. And, you know you can't help but feel for this man who agreed to do a project that he thought was a sincere exploration of this animal and what happened to Don and ended up being an exploitative expose. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you know what Dawn's family make of? Well, I will family. say this, that Don's family was at SeaWorld last weekend with Jack Hanna celebrating Don's life. That, that, you know. that kind of speaks volumes. Yeah, it does. You know, they're not, you know, like in Blackfish, there is a shot where um, Don's sister is being interviewed about Don's life. It's at like this 5K. But what they don't tell you is that they didn't tell Don's sister who they were. They didn't let her know that they, they're part of this documentary. They didn't do anything like Gabrielle went up to her and said, oh, hey, I'm just a mom. And I just want to know more about Don's life. So tell me something about Don. Mm. And so she made it look like the family was supporting the film when in, in no way, shape, or form did they consent, um, you know, or, or provide any sort of help to make the film. 
Yeah, the fact is, is that when Don's family asked to screen the film in advance before it premiered, Gabriella, the director, said, no, I won't let you do that. And then when they asked Gabriella if they'll like the film, Don, Gab, Gabriella responded to the family, no, you won't like it. I just, it kind of dumbfounds me. I mean, you know, we, we watched, we've all seen this documentary now and we've, we've talked about it previously on the show based on the, what we'd seen. Certainly. Obviously, of the film, and also the the feedback that come back at that time. Now, Certainly. when it, by the time it aired, aired here, you know there was still no official statement and everything like that. What your articles have done is really shown that there is another side to the story, which I suppose really you should think about that anyway. But it was done in such a convincing way, yeah, um, and it was so one sided that you almost felt well, there can't be definitely a, a justification for it, and it's. It's really shocking that you know you've been able to produce what you have, really. And, and the crazy thing is, I am no one special. You know, I am not a full-time journalist. You know, and all of this information was out there for any journalist to really uncover. You know, and to me, it's been a very disenchanting feeling with with a lot of the news media that I've dealt with. Yeah. You know, because anyone could have uncovered this story. You know, and no one bothered. Yeah. Which, yeah, it, uh, that that speaks as many volumes as, as anything else. So. You know. Anyway, so so that that's that's to me my biggest takeaway is how frustrated I've been with with the actual media here in Orlando and elsewhere. People who just have copied and pasted press releases instead of actually investigating a film. <laughs> so Eric, you've you've looked at both sides. <laughs> you've looked at both sides of the argument here. You've looked at you've obviously seen the film and yes, you've looked at the inaccuracies in the film. Overall, where does it leave you in, in terms of, you know, SeaWorld and Killer Whales at SeaWorld? Has it changed your views as you've gone through this this time? Well, here here's what I will say. Um, so I've seen the film probably 12 or 15 times, unfortunately, um, just because I've tried to go through, you know, for myself, you know, I need to make sure that I'm being truthful and honest, you know, because... The last thing I want is for someone to come back and say, oh, well, you know, Eric, you know, you're full of crap, you know. Um, and so I've tried to have my ducks in a row. And so I've watched this film so many times now, uh, unfortunately. And the more you watch it, the more boring it gets, you know. Um, but the thing is, is there is so much in Bridget's and Mark's interviews that is personal information that, that can't be published publicly that mm. also affects the story, unfortunately, you know, that... Um, once you really understand um, all of the elements that surround Don's death, you would never make a film that would sensationalize it. And for me, that's been the takeaway, you know, because I've had friends, people, you know, it's a sensational death. I have friends who like to make light of it. A lot of people make light of this death. And after talking to people who worked with Don for 15, you know, plus years, and talking to people who were best friends and talking to people who dealt with the day she died and, and other really just horrible things, people who were there and worked with Tullicum on the day Don died, to make the film that Gabriella made feels truly repugnant at this moment in time to me. And it feels so offensive and so heartless to boil it down to this issue and to make it sound like Tillicum has a psychosis and all these other things. You know, I wish I could share it with everyone, but it's not my story to share. And I have to respect the people who've trusted me with that information. Yep. But 
you know, it is something that I find truly disgusting. And, and when it comes to killer whales in captivity, you know, I, this has always been my statement, and I'll say it again for everyone. I believe that every animal, like, I think that this desirable life for every animal is to live a life free of human intervention. I truly, passionately believe that. But we live on a planet where we are destroying our oceans, where we're destroying habitats at record rates. We're seeing uh, species extinctions at record rates. And we see, you know, facilities that are accredited by, by, by the WAZAs of the World um, Aquarium and Zoological Association and the American Zoological Association. And, you know, these accredited facilities, which SeaWorld is a part of, you know, they are kind of our last great hope to preserving, you know, the, these massive species around the world. And, you know, while I think, again, I think it's great to always have a debate to be like, you know, are we providing the best care? You know, is SeaWorld providing the best care to these animals? I think that's a great debate to have. I think it's, we can always look to, you know, maybe improve it. You know, maybe they maybe they shouldn't be doing shows. That, that's, a, that's a conversation I'm, I'm fully willing to have because I don't have the answer to that. I enjoy the shows. doesn't mean that they should be doing the shows, you know. Um, and I think that, that's a great discussion. But this idea of set them free and close the parks, you know, I, I find counterproductive and I think in the end would lead to more harm in our oceans than, than good. Nice closing. Yeah. So, as you can see, I'm very passionate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and where do we find your podcast? Um, on the Mice Chat, Mice Pod hey. at micechat.com. But also, we're in iTunes if you just search SeaWorld Podcast. And in Stitcher, if you search SeaWorld Podcast, we pop right up. And, and do you cover all of the SeaWorlds? Yes, we cover SeaWorld Orlando, San Antonio, and San Diego. So, so is, is that it? There's, there's three of them? Yeah, yeah. SeaWorld San Antonio is at the geographically largest park. So hmm. it has a massive, massive footprint. Beautiful park, too. Um, we're actually going to be doing a super fan meetup in San Antonio in May. That's going to be full of a lot of really special, cool activities. And then we're doing a super fan meetup in March for the 50th anniversary of SeaWorld in San Diego. Um, that's going to be really cool and very exclusive. So if anyone wants to join us, um, just follow us on Mice Chat, actually, because we'll be announcing a, a very, very special event that's going to be full of special animal action, special luncheon, special everything. It's going to be awesome. And, and now, not to make light of anything, because I don't want to do that, but <laughs> just to change tack for a little while, um, where were you before you were in the mouse's head this afternoon? I was at Universal Orlando. And what were you looking at? I was uh, actually looking, I go, so every every weekend, every Saturday or Sunday, I make my rounds where I walk all of uh, City Walk, I walk all of um, Islands of Adventure, I walk all of Universal Studios, and that's how I compile my updates that are that go live every Tuesday on MiceChat.com. Do Universal have an annual pass like Disney do? Yes, Universal's annual passes are actually pretty option, pretty awesome and very affordable. So I actually have what's called a Premier Pass, and it's for uh, th- basically 300 a month, 300 a month, 300 a year, um, I get unlimited admission to both parks. I get free express pass after 4 p.m. I get free preferred parking, free valet parking, free city walk, a free Halloween Horror Nights ticket, um, dining and shopping discounts, and all this other fun stuff. So it's awesome. And that's, that's 300 a year? Yeah. Wow. Mm, it's pretty good, isn't it? 200 yeah, quid. Yeah, so... Yeah, even if you're even if you're coming like as a UK tourist, you know there's so many great things that you can get with that passing. And the free express pass after 4 p.m. is pretty awesome, and that's every day of the year. There's no blackout dates on that free express pass. Yeah, so that's that's, that's a nice deal. So, so what's happening in the parks in, in this last week? Well, the, the crazy thing is like what's not happening. My gosh, like City Walk 
is getting this full re re redevelopment. You know, with this brand new restaurant, Antojitos, it's about to get open. I actually had a sneak peek uh, uh, lunch in there a while ago um, where I got to taste test all the food and got to actually do this vodka taste testing. Not vodka, sorry, tequila taste testing. I did not know, because here's the thing, is as as an, as an American, and we Americans are, are prone to binge drinking, um, I have only ever shot tequila. I don't know. Have you guys ever tasted tequila, uh, or have no, you only yeah. shot it? No, I think I've just shot it, really. No, so, I've, 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 yeah, we had a, a nice, uh, I was on holiday a few years ago, and the, uh, the bartender up in well, Stowe in Vermont, I think, had a, yeah. a, an array of sipping tequilas, as well as the standard shooting. Yeah, so I felt so guilty. I feel like I have missed out on a whole world of drinking up until now because I I was like, because again, I've always thought of tequila as nasty, lots of salt, lime, like just, just endure it, get it down the throat, you know? And so we had these beautiful tequilas, which are all going to be at... Um, which is all going to be at Antojitos and where you just you, you, you put a drop on your tongue and you put that drop to the top of the roof of your mouth and you like you can taste it. It kind of goes down your throat. You feel a little warm. Your sinuses open up a little bit and it's beautiful. Uh, anyways, so Antojitos is going to have like something like uh, like over a thousand different tequilas to choose from. Um, anyway, it's going to be incredible. So oh, two, day, gonna... two days split between the Carva del Tequila in, in Epcot <laughs> and there. That's going to be messy. I've heard a rumor actually that uh, it's going to be opened up uh, by Tina Tequila. Is that correct? Oh, I I, don't, I haven't heard that. That'd be really awesome if it was. It'd be funny. I, I, I've seen some video of her on a Howard Stern radio show. But anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so then, then you go to the parks, and obviously, like the, the big news is is Diagon Alley. You know, this is going to be like the, the scaffolding finally came down. It's beautiful. It's ginormous. Uh, it's like nothing we've seen before. Again, like Hogsmeade is stunning and beautiful, and to me, Hogsmeade changed me. When I when I first visited Hogsmeade, I that's kind of when sadly my, my Disney fandom kind of just <laughs> left my body, and and I'm feeling that way all over again watching Diagon Alley happen. Of just like God, this is a beautiful park, and I cannot wait to explore this place. Mm. Do we do we still know? I mean, obviously, we've got the, the stories of the, the rides that are going to be there and the train and everything. So, Hogwarts, Hogwarts Express. Yeah, yeah, the Hogwarts Express is going to connect both parks. You know, um, I'm, you know, we're still waiting on official word on, on how ticketing works with that. Yeah. Um, they, they haven't made any official announcement. I asked Mark Woodbury directly about that, and he would not answer that question. So, <laughs> um, so, but we will find out soon that the celebration of Harry Potter... It's coming up this weekend where there's going to be some of the stars from the film. The Phelps brothers are going to be there. Yep. Um, and they're going to do a wand masterclass. But I will be covering that for Mice Chat. And what we will hopefully get out of that is all of the details for Diagon Alley and, and Phase 2 of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So stay tuned to, for this next weekend because we're going to have some awesome stuff. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes, we shall, uh, we shall do that. And that, that gives us some news for the next show. Yay! <laughs> hey. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, right, well, actually, uh, in the background of the pub, and you might be able to hear him now warming up his vocal cords, the pub singer. Um, he, he was going to save this one for another day, um, for another show, but uh, I think he's going to do it now. Eventually, when he starts, when he's warming up. 
Do we mention his show's live, by the way? We do. Yeah, he's not ready yet. He's not ready. He's, he's nearly there. Um, he's got stage fright. Yeah. It's, he's got his sequence caught on the speaker table. Or something. Like that. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, he started then, you see. Um, I wasn't ready for it. I know. I know. I wasn't ready for it. Like, I'll name that tune in five. Go on, then. Right, sing up this time. Ready? I'm ready. Come on. Give it to me, baby. Uh huh. Uh huh. You gotta see me. You gotta see me. I know you guys knew Randy Newman. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you can see him where you're sitting, Eric, but uh, he's quite a man. Yeah, I thought um, it was a nice warm bed, but hey, a clean bed's good as well. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> well, he's ad-libbing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was a request. Uh, he was going to save it for a special occasion. But, uh, I wonder if that was... Uh, you know who requested it. You know who it's for. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just um, I'll, I'll, I'll hope they enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, Nick, did you have anything you needed to get off your chest? Well, not really. No, I mean, there's there's no. not really been too much bothering me. But um, there there was uh, there was something that I thought we might um, we might discuss actually. So do you, uh, do, you, do you want your your music or not? Nah, let's All right, okay, music. Then. All right. Because it, it might not turn that way, actually. Oh, okay. So, uh, this this is uh, written by uh, a, a, an old guest of the show. Yeah. A uh, long-time guest of the show. Um, uh, a guy called Derek Bergen, who all I think right. we're all very much aware of. And uh, f- enemy and friend at the same time. A frenemy. <laughs> but uh, he's a good guy, really. Um, and uh, he actually uh, did a, a list this week. Uh, he published an article about six Disney obsessions that we just don't understand. And this is obviously written from his perspective. And I looked at this article and I thought, yeah, I can understand a few of these. I thought, maybe if we go through the six things that um, he doesn't get, we can go through them and just get our own opinions on on what we think about these things. Fire away. So the first one was uh, what he called the turkey leg phenomenon. Yeah. Now, it wasn't just the fact, you know, people apparently like turkey legs at the parks. It's the fact that there's all this merchandise now, including, I didn't realise this, an air freshener. Okay. Yeah, yeah. smells of turkey legs, so that's good. So I, I prefer citrus-type smells myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, beer would be fine. I could probably tolerate bacon, but t- turkey would legs... You, would you have a beer, a beer-smelling air freshener in your car? Excuse me, sir, do you know why I've pulled you over? What is that smell? <laughs> Excuse me, sir, how many turkey legs have you had today? <laughs> See? Oh, and I can probably tell by the size of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. well, I'm sure 
I'm sure people have uh, had cannabis ones. I'm sure it wouldn't. Uh, other drugs are available. Yeah, but um, please don't sponsor the show. <laughs> well, no, uh, they can bring good money. Um, but, I mean, I've, I've said before, I don't get the turkey leg thing, full stop. I just think they don't taste very nice. They look good, don't taste nice. So I, I don't really understand the phenomenon either. Um, your opinions? I, yeah, I don't get the phenomenon either. Uh, I, I, would... I, I feel like a barbarian when yes. I have. The only time you Everybody could possibly ate. eat yeah. one is whilst wearing a horned helmet, a yes. long blonde wig, and calling yourself four. Yes. No, I, I completely agree with you. I I find it to be an ugly American thing. I will I will say that. Yeah, it's, oh, it's not front. Shouldn't be Frontierland. It should be somewhere completely different, and we should be allowed to shout "Oi, wench!" while yes. them. Or at Walmart, you know. <laughs> okay. so, I'm sure that's been done. So when I shout "Oi, wench!" At, at Lindsay normally, that's not on. Uh, as long as you're the one holding the turkey leg. If she's mm. holding the turkey leg and you shout "Oi, wench!" at her, you are asking for trouble. If yeah. if neither of us are holding turkey legs, so I'm just talking day to day. And you shout oi wench at her and you're not at some bizarre role-playing event. No. Or renaissance fair. Again, I have a feeling you may be in trouble. Right. Well, I seem to escape that one for now. Yeah. That's good. Okay. That's what, that's what I'd like to see. Two blokes shouting at each other <laughs> in, in Frontierland. And it's like a quick draw thing, except they chuck their turkey legs at each other. <laughs> oh, yeah, nin ninja throwing turkey legs. Not hoping, hopeful for that one. All right, what was number, no, don't get it. I'm with Derek on that one. Yeah. Number number five was Disney's Contemporary Resort. Okay. Now this was more to do with the price of the rooms there compared to some of the um, same tiered hotels such as um, the Floridian or the Polynesian. All right. Um, and also complain about the, the, the amount of traffic and noise that you get there compared to those ones as well. Yeah. Um, and one thing as well that you pointed out was the Fantasia gift store in there um, reminds him of the Universal Temporary Studio store that they've got currently there. Now, I've, I've not seen that store in Universal because I'm not there out there currently, but I do know very well Fantasia gifts in the contemporary and I've got to say, it does feel like an airport shop selling Disney goods in a hotel. Again, I'm definitely very, gonna very fall, weird. Yeah, I'm going to fall on Derek's side there because when looking through all the holiday brochures and thinking, oh, if I had the lottery win, where would I stay? Oh, I don't know. Should we? Yeah, no, I'd love to stay at the Grand Floridian. I'd love to stay at the. But here, okay. So here's my thing. Like, why? While obviously there's something very romantic about staying on the monorail. You know, I personally, I can't justify spending five, $600 on a room when I can stay at the Waldorf um, at Bonnet Creek mm. with a firework view of Epcot and the Magic Kingdom for $250 a night. Well, hang yeah. on a second. Hang on. The Muppets have their own hotel. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, the, the Waldorf Astoria um, oh. there. Yeah. They, do, know, a, they do a nice salad. Yeah. <laughs> Caesar, of course. You're, you, I can't, no, I'm not going to. I'll leave someone else to do the Rudolph salad bit. <laughs> and, and I'll send you the YouTube link to classic episodes of... Thought Towers. Yeah. yeah. Um, <sighs> I mean, I like the... I like... Um, 
California Grill at the Contemporary. Yeah. And I do like looking around it and I do like traveling through it on the monorail. But I think of those kind of hotels, it's it's one I'd probably least like to stay at um, myself. The Grand Floridian is just a stunning looking hotel. Yeah. Um, well, I've got to be honest, like, I didn't realize that the Disneyland Hotel in Paris is almost identical. Well, not, it's not almost identical, but there's very similar themes hmm. going through them. I was quite surprised, actually. Yeah, the contemporary, I think, it was built in, what, 60-something or other. Well, 71 was, was it? when it opened. Was it? Yeah. yeah. And, and it, yeah, maybe it was contemporary in the 70s. But, I think it was pretty space age, and then you got the monorail running right through it. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't overly call forty years later contemporary. No. Yeah, right. uh, what do you want to call it? The the, uh... the the monstrous concrete car bunker on the face <laughs> of the backside of humanity. <laughs> is that is that near backside of water by any chance? Yes. Oh. Okay, so I think I think we've we've aired on that side as well. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Other opinions are available, but if you want them, you can let me know, and I'll give them back to you. We'll tell you where to find them. Yeah. Um, the, the next one, and this, this is where we start to cross paths, because um, this one is the Jack and Sally meet and greet. All right. Well, now, this was obviously a staple in Disneyland Paris and appeared to just be Disneyland Paris or Tokyo only until just very recently. Um, I didn't realise, actually, they were in downtown Disney last year, uh, sorry, 2012, and they got upgraded to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party due to demand this year. Um, but I'm a big fan of Nightmare for Christmas. Um, I was when it got released originally, so before it started becoming part of uh, the cool kids, uh, goth kind of culture that Hot Topic and other such stores promoted. Um, and so I, I was quite pleased to actually go and have pictures taken with those. Um, his argument is he sees them as um, Tim Burton characters. Um, and, and not really Disney, but it's a Disney film, so I, I think it's perfectly valid. Mm. I think I love Nightmare Before Christmas, and I think those characters are an important part of Disney heritage. So I think so. You know, at a time when Disney wasn't at its most popular, that was one thing that seemed to be quite popular uh, outside of the parks. Well, it also time. it also bridges an age group too. You know. Yeah, I think it's not not like all princessy young girl, and it's not you know you know I guess Jack Sparrow you know, but I, I don't know I, I I think they're great characters and I love them and and the soundtrack's got Amy Lee on it and she's great. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> but well. again, it's 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 something new, and I mean, you know, it's limited. It's only for a limited time, and it's a new meet and greet. So that's why they're so popular, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think that's the other thing as well. Okay. You know, I, I think I think all of that's valid. So yeah, I, I disagree with you there. Uh, number three was Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. Ooh, now, yeah. he said it was more the, the point that you know, it's just never really been updated, which is true, and it goes on a bit too long. I wouldn't uh, say I wouldn't no. say never because I've got VHS footage from the very first holiday we took where they had like lasers. And, and classical music rather than the uh, reflections of Earth. That might have been something completely different, but it, it does seem to change, and you're never the same, you know, unless you constantly go, I've got this one favourite place on the lake that I always watch it from. Then the view mm. changes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, 
I, I've got to say, maybe for more sentimental reasons, but um, Wishes was uh, a much more important fireworks experience for, for myself. Um, but I know that more people prefer illumination. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think sometimes controversy c- creates cash and, uh, you know, that's just one of those kind of examples. Yeah. The, the weird thing yeah. is, we're, I mean, we're going out September this year, August, September this year. Um, and we're going out at the same time as uh, some friends of ours who are staying in a villa just down the road. And it's their fourth time of going to Florida with different members of their family. Mm-hmm. And it's only this time that we said, so uh, we're going to hang around for some fireworks. Oh, you mean there are fireworks? Say <laughs> 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 <So> what? <laughs> yeah, so there, there are still people out there that have been to Florida more times than, than average and still don't know there are fireworks. So yeah, I guess there mm. is. I can see Nick's point. I, I can see uh, Derek's point. Mm. That, yeah. that, that astounds me though. I mean, read a map for God's sake, people. Yeah. It tells you there. <laughs> um, uh, his, uh, his number two was uh, one, which I think we know how this is going to go. Uh, Barnumations. <laughs> yeah, I'm with him on that one. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, which which one? Barnumations. Oh, but I, I don't understand that. But see, that's it. I think that that exactly is the point. Yeah. You either get it or you don't. That's yeah. it. I mean, I'm obviously very into Bond emotions, but I, I get why they're not for everyone. And to be honest, I wish they weren't for me, in all honesty. I, 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 I'd like to know if there's a scientific correlation between uh, people who like vinyl emotions and people who like Marmite. <laughs> well, I, I, do, I do like Marmite. Yeah, I don't. So. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, but I mean, saying that, I mean, it's the same. Disney have always been quite good at this because look at pins. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's been very successful for a very long time. Animation is only five years in, uh, very long five years, admittedly. Um, <laughs> but they they seem to know what they're doing, and when they they capture something that people fall into, I mean, you'll always get people that if it's Disney, they'll buy it. I'm a lot more selective when it comes to stuff like that. But animation is just something that you know, me and my wife both really uh, fell into and enjoy collecting. We've made some good friends doing it and that's all lovely, but I completely get why people don't get it and why people come around to our house sometimes and see these things and go, oh, they're cool, what are they? And other people are like, why have you got those? I get it. It's, it's not for everyone. So, you know, I don't agree with his opinion except for I understand it. You know, we just don't see eye to eye, but, you know, I, I, I can accept it. Um, and his number one was Toy Story Midway Mania. Um, that, so while it might not be a favorite attraction of mine, I understand why people love it. You know, it's a fun game for like kids of all ages. Everyone can play it together. Moms and dads can play against their kids. You know, I don't know. Like, can't really hit on, hate on it. I don't, I don't know. No, I, I, I don't know. What's, what's his argument for it? Why doesn't he well, get it? What, what, does he not get the fact that everyone goes, that's it? Headlong Usain Bolt from the front gate to that particular ride, and Fast Park is gone by half nine. Well, see, the thing is, like, he, what what he said is, it's a good ride, but it has the long weights of a great ride. Now, mm. I don't think a ride should be determined on how much, like, how great it is, depending on how quickly, how tall um, it goes, how exciting, how quick. 
you know, rides interest people for lots of different reasons. Theming is normally very important for me when it comes to rides. Um, your likes and interests as well. Toy Story is a franchise that I've met very, very few people um, in, in you know, my 30 years of living on this planet that have seen the Toy Story films and not enjoyed them in some capacity, right? Um, everyone seems to love Toy Story. And, you know, there's this attraction which is like literally anyone can, can, can get on. You know, there's no real height restrictions or anything like that. It's a game for everybody. Um, it's competitive. It's fun. It's what Buzz Lightyear Space Spin could have been had it been made more fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's the thing. It is, it is fun to play. And, you know, I've got the, the console version of the game, which, you know, plays like the levels that you, you encounter on the ride. It doesn't have the same feeling as being spun around, air being blown in your face the 3D effects you know it, it's been done well I disagree that it's not a great ride I think it is exactly that it's a, it's a great attraction it's not a good ride it's a great attraction and that's why it's so it's so busy should they have made it bigger yes well I think it speaks more to the fact of maybe the lack of options at that park yeah absolutely there's that as well um, you know you've got Star Tours 2 which apparently is not as popular as uh, they expect it to be, although I imagine when they add the other um, attractions over in that part of the park, it, it will gain momentum. You've got a Tower Tower and you've got um, Rock and Roller Coaster that do their own thing. But when you're looking at family orientated rides that everyone can go on, there's not much in that park. Yeah. You know, or the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, which no one wants to go and see. So, you know, I think you're right there as well. Look at somewhere like Fantasyland where you've got five or six attractions everyone can go on in yeah. that land go to Hollywood Studios and there's you know that as a as a as a ride and you've got a couple of shows oh and Little Mermaid but there's just not much there in the whole park so of course it's going to be busy and it's one of your most popular franchises always going to make it busy so um, no I, I disagree with that fair enough and uh, that was it. That was his uh, his six things he just didn't get. <laughs> yeah. Good list. Okay. Yeah. A, a nice argument. We should come yeah. up with that on. Yeah, six things we just don't get. I'm sure we could. Yeah. Uh, we haven't completely ruined any Disney credibility we made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't got I, much, let's be honest. I don't know, but I, so I'm curious, you know, obviously you guys from the UK being being foreign, you know, to yeah. American culture, you know, when your first Disney trips, if you'll think back to your first time coming to the States and, and going to Disney, what was something that maybe someone did where you were just like, what? Oh, I've got that. Go on. Yeah. I think I mentioned it on here before, but it's when um, we built some stuff in Star Traders. Is that Star Traders next to Star Tours? What's uh, the shop next to Tattooney Traders. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think it's that in Paris. Why I get confused. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and um, we bought some items and the wife was selling the person there and, and whatnot. And uh, she said, oh, would you like a bag? And she said, yes, please. And the woman kept repeating it over and over again. She just kept saying, yes, please. And in the end, she turned around to her colleague working behind the till and said, oh, I thought she was English, but she's actually Spanish. And what? it was just really, yeah. 
absolutely bizarre. I was standing about five feet away and I was absolutely wetting myself. I thought it was hysterical because my wife hasn't really got a major accident or anything like that. And this person really did not understand what she was saying. And then I went into, I went into the McDonald's that used to be in downtown Disney and they asked for a burger with no tomato. And she was like, what? And I was like, oh, no tomato? She's like, I, I don't understand. And I was like, oh, no tomato. And she's like, ah, got you. <laughs> I'm like, I, the same thing. I, I, I didn't, I didn't realise that uh, American mayonnaise was a lot more yellow than English mayonnaise. Oh, really? That's, that's mustard. No, no, it was definitely mayonnaise because the very first time we were out there, we were staying in a hotel that had an all-you-can-eat buffet dinner. Um, so we, yeah, well, English mayonnaise were a lot more used to it being sort of a creamy off-white colour. Yeah, that's, that's American mayonnaise. Uh, for some reason, the hotel we were staying in, I had my you main. Got, you got food poisoning. I had my main. I had my main course, and then I had my 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 dessert. And the dessert from the buffet was sort of peach quarters in syrup. And I filled up a bowl with peach quarters. No, and I, and I saw I saw what looked like custard. No, that, that and, is not good mayonnaise. And, and I smothered my peach quarters oh. in custard whilst getting some strange looks off of the staff and sat back down at my table and... Yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't custard. I was eating peach quarters in mayonnaise. Oh my gosh. Well, my my very first meal in the states, and I, I was I was jet lagged. I gotta say, so that that is one excuse. But first of all, I told the waitress I didn't understand why she'd brought me a salad because I didn't order one. So she brought me like a dinner salad. Yeah. And and then I complained that my chicken fried steak wasn't chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're great when it comes to your country, yeah. Uh, I have a feeling we have an entirely new segment for the show here. So if any of our listeners have Disney confessions that they'd like to uh, to add, or, or holiday it. vacation confessions, let us know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and how so can I, they do that? Carry on. I have, I have one from when I was a cast member when I was oh. on the Disney College program. So Animal Kingdom for a while had a slogan. Um... And I, I thought this slogan was actually an African word, and I thought it was a greeting. Was it Natazu? Yes, it was Natazu. So I actually went around all the time to be like, welcome, Natazu to you. <laughs> and someone said, like, you do realize that they're saying it's not a zoo. I was like, ah. I literally said that to like 500 people. <laughs> not a zoo. Oh, not a zoo. But, but yeah, the question is how many people realized that and how many others actually thought, yes, it is a greeting. I went, not a zoo, back. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, well, should anyone want to leave us their confessions and their stupid admittances, where can I do that? Ah, well, they can of course visit our website www.disafterdark.com or email us at podcast at disafterdark.com or tweet us at disafterdark or send us a message on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash disafterdark or they can find us on micechat.com uh, YouTube under disafterdark podcast or one word Instagram under disafterdark uh, yeah you know, we put ourselves out about um, Eric if people would want to contact you and insult you and send you nasty voicemails, where can I do that? Well, they're more than welcome to go to our Twitter page. Um, it's at SeaWorld Podcast. That's, we're the most engaged there. Um, we have a great dialogue going on. Um, and so we welcome 
all forms of criticism, positive and negative. <laughs> the funnier, the better. Yes, please. Fantastic. Uh, in that case, thank you very much, gentlemen and listeners, for joining us. Um, we shall see you in about two weeks' time. And we're not a zoo. We're not. We're not. Not, not a zoo to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, right. Growing older is mandatory. Growing up is optional. This After Dark, the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. By the power of Grayskull. They were wondering what I was going to do. And we're out. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs>